This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. <laughs> All right, folks. We are at the section now, the language of the technologist. And this is important. This is where it's going to get into these energy certificates. Sorry about that. I just had to take a quick sip of water. It says, the language of the technologist. When he looks at the world, he notes that everything that moves, including the human body, does so by an expenditure of energy, which may be expressed in terms of calories or joules. An automobile does work because it is able to utilize the heat energy contained in gasoline. A water wheel turns by utilizing the energy contained in the water in the motion at a waterfall. The human body runs by means of the energy contained in the food it burns. All of these are measurable in calories or joules, and he rates this as a fact of great importance. All forms of heat transfer or of work done are said to involve a transfer of energy, energy being the capacity for doing work. Thus, a waterfall is continuously expending energy regardless of whether this energy is utilized or not. If a pound of coal is burned, the energy in that coal may or may not be used to drive an engine or to do other work. But whether or not work is done, after the coal is burned, the energy it contained has been irretrievably spent. It is through the expenditure of energy that we convert all raw materials into use forms and operate all the equipment which we use. It is through the expenditure of energy that we live. 
All right, you understand that? I think that was easy to understand. They're trying to put this in layman's terms for you. So some of this stuff I don't have to break down. But this is the basis, okay, for their new monetary system. It says, now we can measure the heat energy contained in a pound of coal by burning the coal in a tightly closed vessel surrounded by water and noting the rise in temperature of the water. One kilogram calorie of heat is the amount of heat required to raise the temperature of one kilogram. One kilogram equals 2.2 pounds, okay? So one kilogram calorie of heat is the amount of heat required to raise the temperature of one kilogram of water one degree centigrade. Likewise, the unit of work is the erg or the joule. One joule is the amount of work required to lift a one pound weight to the height of 0.7373 feet. One joule is equal to 10 million ergs. Also, there is a definite relation between work and heat or between joules and calories. If we let a one-pound weight fall through a weight of 0.73.73 feet in such a manner that all of its energy is converted into heat instead of turning a pulley or lifting a weight, one joule of work is also done. This, in turn, will produce enough heat to raise 0.239 grams of water, 1 degree centigrade, or heat equivalent to 0.39 gram calories. 1 gram calorie equals 1 1,000th kilogram calorie. It is in these terms that the technologist thinks when he considers the standard of living rather than in dollars, pounds, and shillings, francs, marks, or rubles. In all social systems, there are various forms and amounts of motion. Stated positively, social change involves a change in the technique whereby people live. We shall define as a social steady state any society in which the quantity per capita of physical motion or energy expended of the whole society shows no appreciable change as a function of time. Such a society would be one in which the methods for the production of commodities and operation of services do not essentially change. On the other hand, a society wherein the methods of obtaining a livelihood or the average quantity of energy expended per capita undergo appreciable change as a function of time, it is said to exhibit social change. Since social change has been defined above in terms of physical action, then any method of its measurement must likewise be physical, and all social activity, whether in a steady or changing state, must obey the laws of physics and must likewise be subject to the limitations imposed by those laws. The fundamental physical concept for relating and measuring all forms of physical activity is that of work, or energy expended. By work, the physicist means the application of energy to mass to produce a resultant change of state. All right, so that was very interesting, right? So that's their basis right there of what they call the language of 
the technologist. So as you can see there, folks, I mean, look, if you're in science or whatever, you're going to understand this. If you're not, you're a layman like me, then you're going to say to yourself, wow, these guys really thought this out, folks. So this is how they look at the world, right, through all of these different equations and the transfer of energy into the creation of things. And so when you say to yourself, what the hell is Bill Gates talking about in 2010 at TED Talks when he has formulas up there to uh, innovate us to zero carbon? Or you see Yuval Noah Harari with his formulas on how to hack humans. Oh, they have this stuff thought out. That's why I've said for a while, these guys have the formulas for exactly how many humans they need to live in order for the earth to still work correctly for us to... um, you know, breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. They know all this. So whatever's going to happen today, they already have the mathematical equations. These guys were putting them back together in 1933. All right, this says energy conversion and society. Upon this basis, we can measure quantitatively the physical status of any given social system. Take any non-machine society. The total energy used by that society is the energy of the food eaten by man and his domestic animals and the fuel burned. Man himself is the chief engine. The energy per capita is this total amount expended divided by the population. So this gets into how they actually were measuring this uh, formula they were creating to come up with the idea of these energy certificates. So again, it says the energy per capita is the total amount expended divided by the population. Prior to the advent of modern science and technology a little more than a century ago, it is doubtful whether any society had ever exceeded an extraneous energy consumption of 2,000 kilogram calories per capita per day. Since all human activity is determined quantitatively by the amount of energy consumed, we can truly say that all history until recently has not witnessed an appreciable social change in the sense herein defined. You see what this is getting to? This is how they're looking at society. This is society and humanity through the eyes of the scientist and engineer. The people who work to break down, let's say, God or the creator of Mother Nature's creation. Everything they look at is through the lens of science. Now, they can fake the science and then tell you to trust the science and then people that know nothing about science will then trust the science well these guys are going to throw all this at you this is how they want to actually manage society but this is what i told you once they render which has already happened once they render humans useless then the only logical conclusion is to engineer humanity out of existence or once they get to the point where they realize they can't engineer humanity into what they want it to be or they can't make it as streamlined and as perfect as whatever they diagrammed in their uh, computer software then boom that's the end of humanity that's why we're looked at as useless eaters useless consumers even though the hilarious part folks is that 
the problems that they're outlining that have been created were created by the very industrial society in which they created. So they created the machines that then rendered the humans useless. They create the popula- uh, the pollution that they base the climate change on, but the pollution comes from the machines that they create. But then they say, no, it's your fault because you're buying the goods that they're creating with the machines that actually do the pollution. But then it's our fault. See, we don't fit in to the system of artificial intelligence and robots and machinery. We don't fit into that. So there was someone who wrote a paper about this in 1995 and trust me i'll get back to that it's called industrial society in its future and this was written in 1995 and they were arguing all of this folks that eventually it would lead to the destruction of humanity altogether the technology and humanity cannot coexist in harmony that eventually technology will engineer humanity out of existence and so if we're talking philosophy here i fall on that side of the aisle if we have to go to one extreme or the other which would either be back to the dark ages of which man uh, lived for how many years under that with no technology or we go into a full-fledged technocracy transhumanist state where man is allowed to engineer mans into cyborgs uh, merge them with artificial intelligence and that we live in a prison planet state managed by the technologists i would have to go with sorry no technology i don't know where you would fall but they are obviously grooming the next generation and the generation after that to accept 100% living under technocracy. It goes on to say the steady state of any social system of the past was set up and limited as such because no nation in history possessed any other engine of energy conversion than that of the human being. Limited in size from 125 to 200 pounds and in total output to 1,500,000 foot-pounds per eight-hour day. The rate of doing work of the human engine laid down the limits of mechanical operation of any social unit possessing this type of engine alone. No change in the rate of work done in any social system was evident until after the advent of technology in the early 19th century. The introduction of other engines of energy conversion in the 19th century and the discovery of new materials and new energy sources in the last hundred years have brought about a change of rate impossible of envisagement in any social system founded on the human engine not until other energy resources became available through other engines of energy conversion was man in his engine category relieved from the age-long limitations of one of the lowest rates of output per weight for size we know of the human engine in an eight-hour day is only capable of producing work approximately at the rate of one-tenth horsepower during that time now I want to make a point here, right? So it was the industrial era that then led to a population boom, okay? Because they took men away from the human engine, as they call it, away from doing what they were wired to do and supposed to do, which was work, right? Generally, you, uh, even before this, going back a few hundred years, you went out and hunted, man went out and hunted, brought back food to their family, 
right? It was about protecting the family, providing for the family. The mom stayed home, took care of the kids, cooked, took care of the household. So they shared responsibility on what was survival. And then these guys create the industrial boom that leads to this boom in population. And now all of a sudden you see all these people starving. And then they tell you the solution is to push man aside because they're inefficient. We're going to build more machines. Let the population continue to boom and then feed all the men that we displaced from work. It it doesn't even make sense, folks. This is why it's so important to understand where this stuff comes from, where this ideology comes from, because this is the same thing that Elon Musk and Peter Thiel talk about, folks. The technocracy uh, and the the technocrats and transhumanists of today are no different than the ones of the past where they get all of their ideas from. At the end of the day, they want the human evolution of humans, as Dennis Bushnell, the chief scientist at NASA, says. The human evolution of humans is to engineer humans off of the face of the Earth. Go back to this paper here, Introduction to Technocracy by Howard Scott, written in 1933. Already dehumanizing people, saying they are inefficient, they can't produce, we can do it. We men, the scientists and engineers, will build machines that can continue to produce. To what? feed all the additional people that they created out of the industrial boom so again it's just a problem reaction solution feedback loop that is all it is ladies and gentlemen when i get back i'm gonna feedback loop more of this stuff to you i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to jump forward in this document. All right, because there's a lot. I'm skipping forward about 10 pages, folks, because I want to just explain this to you before we get into this conversation with Jim tomorrow. This says requirements of the price system. So the price system is what they called the monetary system that... We were under at the time in 1933 that we're still under today. And so let's get into a little bit about this. It says, the criterion of successful operation of a modern industry under the ancient price system is that it shall make a monetary profit. Another requirement of industry under a price system is that it shall consider among its expenses the payment of a monetary return upon the capital investment in that industry. Regarding the first of these requirements, considering other factors to be constant for the moment, the profit possible from a given industry is a direct function of the quantity that can be sold. The fact is largely responsible for the ever-insistent demand of business for an ever-increasing production rate and expansion of trade, both domestic and foreign. From the point of view of the individual manufacturer under a price system, the ideal conditions for continued prosperity are an infinite supply of cheap raw materials and labor and an infinite market so that there will never be a decline in the rate of increase of production. 
in the internal operation of the industry, external factors being considered for the moment constant. The amount of profit that can derive from a given output is an inverse function of the internal cost of production. It has been found that the most uh, efficacious way of reducing internal cost is by means of large-scale quantity production by processes as automatic as can be devised. This requirement dovetails perfectly with the first or increased output and the net results in the industrial trends that we have observed in our analysis of the growth industry of the North American continent. Another factor which acts in the direction of those already enumerated is that a monetary return must be paid by the industry to the owner of the invested capital. This is in the form of interest and dividends. In other words, the bonded indebtedness must draw interest. Suppose the rate of this interest on investments is taken to be 5% per annum. Consider the total capital investment in the industries of this continent. Industrial investment is made largely by a very small percentage of the total population and for that reason the five percent return occurring annually is for the most part reinvested in industry in order that industry in turn can continue to pay the same percent return on the added investment it must expand by a similar increment of itself per annum to continue to satisfy these conditions industry would have to expand at a compound interest rate the rate of increase of production per annum must itself continuously increase add uh, infantum, which is a physical impossibility. Another way of increasing profits under the laissez-faire competition of a price system is to cut down the cost of production by manufacturing inferior products. This will increase the number of sales on an otherwise saturated market because of the resultant increased replacement rate. The mathematical, that is the uh, arithmetical impossibilities of the assumptions which underlie what we are now attempting to do may be readily seen. Suppose we level production off as is being done until an ample mean standard of living compatible with our resource supplies could be provided for the inhabitants. Then under the price system, the requirement to cut internal costs to a minimum would result in an ever-increasing unemployment. If, on the other hand, an attempt were made to keep all the people employed, the increasing rate of output per man hour would result quickly in overproduction of goods that would, of necessity, extend toward infinity. Moreover, should industry level off the lack of new industries or expanded old ones in which to invest the returns already accruing from existing investments would tend to drive the interest rate to zero. So as you see, they're making the critiques of what you would call or they call the price system, which is basically the system that we are still somewhat uh, living under. And so what they advocate for is what we talked about yesterday, which is the energy credits. It's a new way that they want to manage the system. And again, this is the theme of this show. You have to say, if they keep the machines running 24-7, 365 to create an abundance of goods, and you work 16 hours and they give you energy certificates to buy these goods, all they're creating is this sort of, I mean, it's a communist managed system where you're going to work for the system just to get the goods you need in order to survive. 
This has been done before. They openly say that they are left of communism. They say that they make communism look bourgeois, right? That's what Howard Scott actually said, folks. All right, let's continue a little bit more. They say the order of magnitude. The problem in its last analysis is primarily one of the effects of different orders of magnitude. The same fundamental characteristics are inherent in the change of magnitude of any mechanism. Consider, for example, vehicles of transportation. The ox cart is a sturdy, slow-motion vehicle. The driver of an ox cart need have no technical training except to call woo-ha or gee-ha if the cart hubs a tree, nothing happens. In fact, there's no ordinary error that such a driver could commit that would be of any great consequence either to himself or his vehicle. Consider in like manner the driver of an express chain train. He must always be awake and alert. He must operate strictly according to the schedule and the signals. Violation of any one of a large number of conditions can and probably will wreck the train and moreover the magnitude of the wreck will be proportional to the mass and velocity of the train in a like manner the duty of a train dispatcher who controls the operation of not one train but many is even more exacting thus we pyramid from a single train to a railway system and from a railway system to a whole transportation system, and from a transportation system to a whole industrial complex with the same generalizations that the larger and higher powered the industrial system, the more rigorously exacting must be its technical control in order to avert a wreck. And that, moreover, the wreck resulting from the lack of such control will be of an order of magnitude proportional to the size and the rate of the operation of that mechanism. Against the picture of the man with the ox cart or the man with the hoe, we now have the accelerating upward speed of the energy curves and the curves of an enormous total production, the accelerating uh, declination of the curve of employment involving millions of men and the still more violent fall of the curve of man hours per unit produced. The sweep across the charts of all these curves dealing with unprecedented magnitudes and numbers constituting unmistakable evidence that the whole system is due to go out of balance in the not distant future folks so this is what they were using to set up to set up the idea of bringing in the technocracy and issuing these energy certificates and i'm going to get more into that tomorrow with jim as he exposes this climate scam and how this stuff all leads to the issuance of these energy credits but as you can see from these documents i find these things to be so fascinating folks seriously i mean i hope you do because this stuff is where it was all written these are the founding documents of the system that we are currently working under they are in control i told you they have consolidated they are monopolizing the human workforce driving them into various internet driven ghettos okay whether that be gig work whether that be fiverr.com for the creatives or etsy or amazon or ebay they are concentrating all of the energy 
right? All of the creativity, all of the service industry under these various technocratic platforms. Right now, you are allowed to still make dollars, right? So you put the energy into quilting a blanket, you put it up on Etsy.com, somebody buys it for tokens. But what they're working on, folks, instead of calling these energy credits, they're going to be calling them carbon credits. And every single person in the country or under the technate, which was going to be North America, I had actually seen plans going all the way from South America to uh, the North Pole at one point. But what they're going to do under the technate is instead of assigning an energy value to all of the goods, they're going to assign a carbon value. So it's it's the energy certificates rebranded as these carbon credits, which will be packaged up under CBDC. So who knows exactly how they're going to do it, but what I think is going to happen is they are going to take everything they know the original source of the manufacturing of something so if you end up knitting a blanket the yarn came from somewhere it was made at some factory so they're able to source these things we know they already started putting rfid chips in a lot of products to say they're tracking them through the factory they also know how many people or they're going to say how many people are on earth and so they're going to then basically estimate how much carbon is created using a formula like bill gates has and then they're going to assign every single person under that system with a certain amount of carbon emission and then what they're going to do is they're going to divide that up and then issue you these carbon tokens, most likely in the form of CBDC. And that's how you're going to be able to spend within this system. So they took this foundation here created under Technocracy Inc., uh, all based on this science that these guys created. This is our science. This is how it works. This is how the world works. This is how social change should work. And so that's all been adopted somewhere up at the highest levels, way beyond Elon Musk and way beyond Peter Thiel. But this concept of the technocracy today grows out of the technocracy of the past and the most dangerous piece to this folks is they were demeaning and dehumanizing people going all the way back here to this paper in 1933 basically saying humans were efficient they could only build this much with their hands we've replaced them with machines now let us the scientists the engineers the technologists be in charge of the system and don't worry because we will create an abundance of goods and we will distribute them to those stupid, little, inefficient humans that couldn't even make things with their hands that exceeded what we can make with our machines. You see how it works, folks? They're always demeaning humanity. That is the point, folks, because they're coming for you. This is a war on humanity. Humans just don't understand it ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold you understand it this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv 